0: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.
1: Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. And on today's edition of the show, we're talking plenty of KU football. We have uh, a couple of guests joining us today. Henry Greenstein of KUSports.com hops on with us in about 25 minutes from right now. Voice of the Jayhawks' Brian Haney will join the show coming up in at the top of the 4 uh, o'clock hour here. We also are going to get to a KU mailbag later on in the 4 o'clock hour. And we have some Bill Self and Brandon Schneider audio coming at you in the 5 o'clock hour. We're brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery on this edition of RCST, which goes till 6 o'clock, as always, and then uh, High School Sports Weekly over at Mama's Tamale Shop takes over after that. There is some news from one Brett McMurphy, who seems to have... Mm. It seems like all of the... Uh, anytime we get news on you know, Jason Bean, Jalen Daniels, whatever, it's coming from Brett McMurphy and or Pete Family. Pete Thamel, yeah. Which probably tells us that those guys have the best plug-in. Probably, yeah, probably getting it directly from the coaches. Yes. Uh, this is according Brett McMurphy. Kansas QB Jalen Daniels, who missed last week's game versus Missouri. S- oh. Why is it always do Dude, first? you keep getting the wrong one. Dude, I, I This is like the third time that's happened. I know. This is like the third time that's <laughs> happened. I keep typing in Brett McMurphy and then like Jalen Daniels, and it pops up for some reason. It always goes back to the Missouri State one. Whatever. Anyway, uh, I don't even care. Uh, I'm not going to pull up the exact tweet. Basically, Brett McMurphy <laughs> said Jason Bean's going to start. There we go.
2: Yeah. Breaking news that... I could have told you on Monday, mm-hmm. Jason Bain's going to start for KU. Uh, yeah, this shouldn't be a really a big surprise. I mean, I think the the optimistic part of me was hoping that after the bye week, you know, you hold him out for Oklahoma State, you get the whole bye week, and you come back. But as we had discussed, this is not an injury where it's like, oh, you just rest for three weeks and you're fine. It is clearly more complicated than that. And it is a back injury that really, I think, kind of renders Jalen Daniels more literally to a day-to-day situation. And the results of that is that you can't guarantee that he's going to be available for each game. And as we sort of prognosticated back when this first came out, even before the Missouri State game, is it's very frustrating, and that's just how it is. It's, it's not something where you can just uh, be like, you know what, rest for four weeks and you're fine. That, that That's clearly not the case. So it is a bit of a bummer that now you're going to miss Jalen Daniels for the Oklahoma game because that means Jalen Daniels is not going to be your starting quarterback in arguably the two biggest games of the season for Kansas, besides Kansas State, which I guess we'll see. But you look at the Texas game and going into it, I think there was a lot of confidence among KU fans that KU was going to have a chance to, to maybe go in and win at Texas. And then you just get crushed by the news less than an hour before kickoff you end up battling in the game but losing. This situation is a little bit different now. You, you know ahead of time that it's going to be Jason Bean. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You almost run out of words to describe the situation. Frustrating, annoying, uh, certainly, I'm sure, challenging internally for KU, week to week determining who their starting quarterback is going to be. And, uh, you know, I sometimes wonder if we're making too big of a deal out of it. But also, Jalen Daniel Daniels is the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. So, it's a big deal.
1: Yeah, of course it is. And, and you're 100% right that it's not really surprising at this point in time. So we've kind of been under the estimation that it was going to be Jason mean this whole time. Not, not a huge surprise or anything, but yeah, it is unfortunate. That's for sure. Uh, anyway, let's get into our fun with numbers because this is not fun talking about that stuff. <laughs> All right. Uh, first up, let's start with football. We actually have a combo fun with numbers day, football and basketball. Mm. Football announced the sellout today. There we go. For the Oklahoma game. So it'll be their fifth sellout in the last two seasons. They had one sellout in the previous 12
2: seasons. Yep. And that was the K-State game in 2019, I believe, right? Yep. When Les Miles said, who is K-State? And then KU got blasted by 100. <laughs> <laughs> tough. Yeah. I was that really was excited tough. going to that game. I was at that game. I was really excited. And then... Uh,
1: Things did not go well. Nonetheless, fifth sellout in the last two seasons. Uh, you're turning the program up. You know, it, it is still a slow build to get to a point where you're selling out each and every game. But so far, the games that have mattered, they've sold out. Like, the only games that didn't sell out were two Friday night games, which yeah. it's harder for people to get to those. And one yeah. was against an FCS opponent. Sure. So that's cool to, to see the progress of the program and everything. Uh, this is a number. When I think of this game on Saturday against Oklahoma, I don't think there's a way that Kansas wins the game where they're minus in turnovers. Yeah, I agree with that. You could convince yourself they could win in some way with you know being equal on turnovers. I mean, there are ways to almost turn the ball over without it counting as a turnover. Fourth down stops, missed field goals. Um, basically, if you if you get like a kick return touchdown, it's almost like an anti turnover because it's like a guaranteed score. You know, so uh, like there are ways of, of going. We around need
2: that, but- to do more to promote anti turnovers. Anti
1: turnovers. I am under the assumption, though, that Kansas is going to have to be plus in turnover. Like, you have to win the turnover battle if you want to win this game. You have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, to that notion, Kansas has three turnovers on offense when they've played at home. So, in four games. So, three turnovers in four games, less than a turnover per game when they're playing at home. And they've had zero their last two home games. They have four turnovers on offense in their three road games. So, in the home games, about 0.8 turnovers per game. In the road games, 1.3 turnovers per game. That's an extra half turnover per game. That's a difference. It's not a a large difference, but it is a difference that that can make up for itself. More than that, though, is the forced turnover numbers. Kansas defensively has forced eight turnovers in their four home games this season. So two per game. Meanwhile, in their three road games at Nevada, at Texas, at Oklahoma State. Kansas has forced just one turnover in those three games total. That is a gigantic difference. You go from forcing .3 turnovers per game on the road to forcing two turnovers per game at home. And then when you add it up and say, okay, in the four home games, turned it over three times, forced eight. So in the four home games, you're plus five in turnovers. In the three road games, you're minus three. That is an eight-turnover differential between home and away. Yeah. On one end, you try to be like, hey, you would like to see that get better for when you're on the road. But guess what? You don't have to worry about it this week because you're at True. home. True. And when you're trying to pull an upset over Oklahoma, a game that you need to win the turnover battle,
2: it is clear that Kansas has been more comfortable in those areas at home. I mean, you look up and down the statute, and KU has been significantly better at home than on the road so far this season. Now, obviously, you look at their road games. The Nevada game was, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess you want to call it a mulligan? I don't know. I mean, it was, they won, obviously, but uh, not great. Texas, you had to go with Jason Bean as last-second starter, and then uh, you go on the road and still water and lose. But there's no question that KU has been way better at home so far this season. Uh, they're giving up just 22 points per game at home. They're averaging over 40 points per game, so a 20-point differential between their home uh, – like between what they're scoring at home and versus what they're giving up. So uh, very, very impressive stuff when they're at home. And in college, home field advantage certainly matters. And I think we've seen that with KU so far this season and having a crowd out there supporting you matters as well, and that's really helped Kansas quite a bit. And uh, you're right, they're at home for this game against against Oklahoma, and there's just something about that, something about the routine of being at home and, and all that stuff and, and everything. And uh, it's not talked about enough that we 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 get to also – Get the first look at the teams on the buses as they come in. Cause we're at Big Mill uh, before each game. So yeah, we're coming out the, to Big uh, Mill before the game,
1: and you can see
2: you can see the buses. The buses, dude. Remember when Lance Leipold was giving us a death stare? Yeah, that one game. I don't think
1: he was actually giving us a death stare. I think it he was just like so. It. I think he was so concentrated on the game, and it literally it happened like, to be in the sight vision. It
2: literally looked like he was boring into <laughs> our souls. It was insane.
1: It's crazy. Yeah, so you can do that at uh, Big Mill on Saturday. We'll be there eight thirty to ten thirty. Um, yeah, so I, I just thought that was very interesting. And Oklahoma's not been a team that, that has turned the ball over a ton. I think only five turnovers offensively. You have to be able to take advantage. Like, if if Oklahoma gives you the pick six chance that Kobe Bryant had against Oklahoma State, you have to have that in this game. Like, you have to take advantage of it. Well, you There's no way to, around it.
2: You go back to last year's game. I want to say KU was down seven, or maybe the game was still tied, when Dylan Gabriel just fumbled, remember? And what did KU do? Three and out. Mm-hmm. That can't happen. Not only it's it's equally as important to force turnovers as it is to capitalize on them, right? The it's it's really a two phase thing. You want to force turnovers, but then you need to be able to take advantage when you do, do that. So you're right, that that's a that's a big aspect of it as well, is if Oklahoma gives those opportunities, it doesn't matter if you can't capitalize on them.
1: Yeah, it really is uh I guess, complimentary football, you know? Can you take advantage of the turnovers when your defense gets them? And then offensively, can you hold on to the ball? Can you possess the ball to help out the defense, right? There there are ways that offense helps defense and vice versa. Uh, Okay, how about about this? More home road stuff. This is Jason Bean's career home road splits for his entire career. So this isn't just KU, where he's been since 2021. This is his home road splits at North Texas, because I think it tells a very interesting story um, about a guy that, when we've talked about the difference between Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean, with Bean, it's a little bit more, what can you do around him? He's a good enough player in a lot of ways that he can make a lot happen. But you do have to predicate things more. You have to make things easier on him. And it's just inherently harder when you play on the road. The crowd noise is there. Uh, maybe it's harder to make checks at the line of scrimmage. Like uh, just harder to communicate. There, there's a lot of ways that the road games are harder. Yeah. So in, in his career at home, North Texas and Kansas... Jason Bean's completing 62% of his passes for 22 touchdown passes to just four interceptions. He's been really good at home. Yeah. Road, 58% of his passes, 22 touchdowns, same amount of touchdowns, but 15 interceptions. Vast difference.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's definitely been prone to more turnovers on the road. I mean, you look at the Oklahoma State game, it happened a couple times, and you go back to some of the other games he's played on the road throughout his KU career, and it's, it's, it's been the same way. And yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, even even with the fact that KU's, I guess you could say, if you asked David Beatty back in 2018 or whatever, that you know they don't really have a home field advantage. Even just even if you don't have that aspect, just playing at home still, it, it just helps with the routine, with the rhythm, with whatever yada yada yada. Sleep in your own in your own bed, whatever X Y Z. Uh, and Jason Bean has shown that he plays better in the in the in those situations, as you just outlined. So that gives you, I think, that it's got to give you a lot of confidence. For the game against Oklahoma, that KU is going to be hopefully in a good mindset and feeling pretty good. And I think, based off of the discussions we had on on Wednesday with some of the players and hearing from the coordinators, it sounds like they've managed to move past the Oklahoma State game. I think for the most part, and really focus in on Oklahoma and maybe the bye week helped them spend some extra time dealing with the tempo of Oklahoma as well. But yeah, Jason Bean, I think we've talked about it. You know he he needs to play well, but you would need that regardless So if it's Jason Bean or Jalen Daniels. Like, you're going to need other areas also to play at a high level, also, if you want to win this game. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, yeah. A couple other
1: numbers I just wanted to bring up with special teams. OU has kind of struggled a bit on special teams. Maybe that's an area you can make up for in this game. But um, I, I think we brought up the other week the Tabor Allen. It felt like he was doing an excellent job getting touchbacks. Well, it turns out KU has 38 touchbacks that leads the Big 12. Yeah. So that's cool.
2: I think that speaks to two things. Number one, if you're scoring a lot, you're kicking off a lot. That means you have more opportunities for touchbacks. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, if you have a leg that Tabor Allen does, which he's got a really good leg, I mean, I'd be curious to know this. I don't know, I don't even know what level of research would need to be would need to be done to, to find this out. But I mean, how many teams around the country have a dedicated scholarship player solely for kickoffs? Mm, I don't know
1: that it's always scholarship players, but yeah, are Allen's you sure Tabor Allen's a scholarship? I don't know. I'm
2: pretty sure he is.
1: It's more than you think. There are a lot of teams that have different kickoff guys. That field goal only
2: guys. kickoff, only kickoff in mm-hmm. the college level.
1: Yeah, but I don't know how. Many, I I don't think a lot of them are. I'm
2: scholarship, like 99% uh, uh, yeah. sure. Taylor Allen. I don't know, but
1: yeah, he's done an excellent job either way. Um, also, this was something that that we uh, mentioned the other week, and it was the idea that I was looking at Damon Greaves' numbers, and, and it was like, yeah, the the yards per punt isn't anything too crazy, but it never felt like he was giving up punt return. Like they were all going, and I I actually looked at the numbers, and it backs that up. So. Kansas is ninth in yards per punt in the Big 12. So they've been, I guess, below average, basically, in the in the conference, in yards
2: per punt. Is that still better than last year, though? It is still last better they than were last year. Last right? year they were last, yeah. yeah. So
1: it's still better than last year. But it's it's not like an exorbitant number. But what he has done so good is get such good hang time on it that it's maybe ninth in yards per punt, but it hangs up there so much that there can't be a return. And so the, the net, KU's 3rd in net yards per punt. So I guess they have completely overhauled. Special teams, and kicker, and
2: punter, and, and all those different positions. Shout out, Damon Greaves. Yep, and I guess Sean Snyder. The Australian, know. what's a good nickname for him? Australian Menace. The Australian Menace. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? You don't like that?
1: <gasps> you just, you put Menace. I, I don't even know what that has to do with that. Okay. Um, Dude,
2: he's a menace to punt returners.
1: <laughs> okay. Am I wrong? Third, You just said it, third and nine yards per punt. Right. um... Okay, let's get some basketball ones here. Wow. There's the first exhibition game on Sunday. So KU's ranked first on defense on Ken Palm. They're fourth on Bart Torvik to come in the year. They finished last year 11th on defense. I don't know that I'm buying into being top five on defense. To start the year?
2: Definitely not maybe to start not. the year. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, you also have to factor in look at KU's schedule. I mean, they're going to play some teams that are probably going to be able to score some points. So I don't know how much that that will impact. Well,
1: I mean, that those numbers are. Efficiency based. Yeah. So it doesn't have to do as much with if you have 90, but it's on 300 possessions. It's like, whatever, <laughs> you know?
2: Sure. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I might buy that towards the end of season, though. I might. I might. I thought Bill Self kind of interestingly peeled the curtain back a little bit and was talking about how he doesn't even bother to practice defense for like early on. Yeah. Yeah. For like a long time. And he basically was like, it's easy. It's it's. I think the direct quote from him was like, "It's easy to get guys to guard; it's hard to get guys to score," or something like that. Basically, meaning well, because
1: a lot uh, sometimes on defense it can just be like just try hard. Yeah, it's you know? an effort. Then. Effort. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is more to it, but like sure. uh, that can at least get you. Oh no, uh, yeah, and I mean it, it makes a, a lot minimum. of sense.
2: I mean, shockingly, Bill Self made a lot of sense and seems like he might be onto something there. Yeah. That it makes more sense to to focus on the offense, uh, where over the course of a season you have you have time to fine tune the defense a little bit. Uh, But, yeah, I thought that was interesting that he kind of opened up a little bit more about that, uh, about sort of how he approaches, like, practicing and what to focus on over the course of, you know, the summer practices and into now exhibitions and, and whatnot. But, yeah, I, I thought that was interesting, but I I would not be surprised if Kay was in the top five at the end of the season. Would, would you be surprised? I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know that I'm picking it. I
1: definitely don't think they're at the beginning of the year because exactly what you said. And we, and we typically see KU find their stride defensively over the last month or two of the year. But when you look back to last year, they were 11th on defense a season ago. Okay, Dwan Harris, Kevin McCuller, you have those components back. In one sense, Hunter Dickinson will make you a better defense than when KJ Adams was at the five because it'll make you a better two-point defense and a better rebounding team. Yeah, And, and rebounding is how you end a defensive possession. On the other end, having KJ at the five did allow you to be more flexible and switch more stuff, and maybe that allowed you against certain teams to do better.
2: Maybe. I remember Bill Self also mentioned how he maybe wants to design his defense to where sure. Dewan and Kevin aren't always guarding the best guys.
1: Yeah, and that's that's another part of it, too, that last year they were, right? So, maybe- so if you have less minutes where you're guarding the best guys, and also I thought Jalen Wilson by the end of his collegiate career was like a solid defender.
2: Yeah, so maybe in if Bill, you're playing
1: Nick Timberlake or a freshman at the two, like those guys might struggle at times.
2: Yeah, so maybe in Bill Self's mind, he's thinking, well, I don't care if the defense is like fine for the first 35 minutes of the game as long as it's the best for the final five I mean, minutes or the final eight minutes or whatever. Yeah, I, I view this right? more I mean, as being like, I, I think it'll be a top 20 defense, probably
1: top 15. I guess I would view it as being better than last year, top 10. But, like, I don't know, top five, it, it, it's going to be tough, I think. It's going to be tough. Um, offensively, though, they're ranked ninth on Ken Palm, fourth on Bart Torvik. This is the one that I can buy being actually better than this. They were 25th on offense last year, and that was with Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson. They just weren't that efficient of an offense. I think having Hunter Dickinson really is going to open up so much. Yeah. yeah. The, the big question is just three-point shooting. If they're an average three-point shooting team, this could be a
2: top-five offense. Yeah. which you've seen, I mean, you look at some of the teams that make deep runs in the NCAA tournaments and make win the national championship, a lot of times they are at worst average. In fact, I think, wasn't 2022 KU like the worst three-point shooting team to win a national title in the last like 10 years or something? No. They weren't? They were not. I thought they were. No. Oh, all right. (laughs) Well, anyways, the point still being that if you want to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, you need to be at worst average at three-point shooting. Yeah, It's an important aspect of making a run. Yeah. But I, I will say
1: when I'm looking at like biggest improvements from last year's to this year's team, Last year's team was 179th in the country in offensive rebound rate. They were 193rd in defensive rebounding rate. So even if you are worse than you were last year, which to be clear, last year you shot 34.7% from three, I think you can get back to that number. Like, I don't know, you might be slightly below it, but that's not like that unattainable of a number, right? Um, And so if if that's the case... If you're not as good of a three-point shooting team, you have to make up for in other areas. Can you be a really good defense? Can you be a team that forces turnovers? Can you avoid turnovers? Well, all those things are, are things that I think this team can do. Can you score inside, right? All are, are check marks that I'd put for the team. Can you be a good offensive and rebound team uh, to to take advantage of possessions, maximize possessions? I, I think both those numbers will go up. I wouldn't be surprised if they're top 100 in both. Um, I think Hunter Dickinson just having that one guy at center is so valuable to the rebounds on its own. KJ I think will be a better rebounder than he was last year by playing the position he's at but I still don't view him as being like a great defensive rebounder but Kevin's a good rebounder and um I, I don't know I guess it kind of remains to be seen how some of the the freshmen are going to add to the rebounding side of things so uh we'll we'll see, but I, I definitely see both those numbers as, as going up just by having Hunter. All right, we're gonna take a timeout. Henry Greenstein of KU Sports.com, Lawrence Journal World is gonna join us on the other side to talk a little KU football, KU basketball. We talk to Henry next. This is RCST on KLWN, depend on it. Half past the hour, you're listening to Rock shock Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And uh, we'll get to our KU mailbag coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, so hit us up with any questions at RCST1320, 1320, rcst1320am 1320 at gmail.com. We're joined now by Henry Greenstein of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. Henry, thanks for uh, being flexible and uh, hopping on on a Thursday again this week. Uh, so there was a, a report earlier today, Brett McMurphy, Jason Bean expected to start, Jalen Daniels remains doubtful, all that stuff. What is the updated number on the worry scale for Jalen Daniels?
3: Yeah, I, I'm taking it up to a seven, and maybe it's my own fault because I was really, I was really firmly believing that he would be in better shape after the bye week, and and maybe he is. You know, maybe he'll be suited up for the first time this weekend. I'm not sure, but I, I kind of thought that this could be his triumphant return. But I was surprised by just how firmly and so immediately from the start of the week, Lance Leipold was basically telling us that that was not to be. So, uh, yeah, a little more worried.
1: Well, what did, you, what did you make of the, uh, I guess, we were having trouble trying to parse through exactly because the part where it was like, well, questionable or doubtful, I, I don't know how much like fantasy football you play or anything, but when, when you see one of your players is questionable, it's usually like a coin flip. It's a, it's a pretty 50-50 proposition. When you see somebody as doubtful, it's like, oh, they like never play. It's like a 2% thing. So it feels like to me the gap between doubtful and questionable is pretty big in there, like I, I don't know, like at this point, are you, would you, okay, let me phrase it this way, uh, because this would kind of be a speculation question, but but nonetheless, if I told you, and I'm not saying this is the case, if I told you that Jalen Daniels was out again next week, like would that surprise you at all?
3: Uh, it would not surprise me, and I think I have him yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, just as someone who has to write articles about this sort of thing, when you're listening, when you're sitting there and you're listening to Lance Leopold and he says, okay, uh, Jalen Daniels is is in the doubtful area. And then you hear him go back a second later and say, doubtful, questionable, those sorts of things, or whatever (laughs) it was he said. It's like an internal groan, because now I know I'm going to have to explain, okay, he originally said in the doubtful area, now he's saying doubtful or questionable. And as you said, those are vastly different things. Like, I think if going into the game, if I hear someone's questionable – I think it's a very good chance of them playing. I, I can probably count on one hand the number of times someone has been doubtful and, and ended up playing. So, yeah, dramatically different. Um, I don't really know what to expect in the weeks ahead.
1: Talking with Henry Greenstein, KU sports.com here. KU takes on Oklahoma on Saturday. What do you view to be the biggest challenge for KU to uh, try to get the win on Saturday against the Sooners?
3: Uh, well, I think curtailing the Oklahoma passing offense is going to be a, a struggle for them, especially with the high tempo that Brian Borwin's been talking about this week. The fact that they might even have like 10 seconds between plays, have to communicate what they're doing via a signal. And, you know, you would think that having dealt with some tempo against UCF uh, might give them relevant experience in this domain. But as Borwin said, UCF didn't go as lightning fast as they had in previous weeks, and might have been able to since, just simply because you know they were depleted, they got gotten a bad game script and all that. So yeah, I think that'll be a new test of the KU defense, but I do think they're healthier, and they'll be up for the challenge in some aspects. Uh, another challenge is, I think that Oklahoma is going to probably try to key in on the run again and make Jason Bees beat them, which, you know, the performance he put in at Oklahoma State could have been enough to beat them back then, but might be doing it in the rain this week, could be a little harder, so just for Jason Bean, kind of becoming more consistent, um, not only from week to week, but also throughout a whole game will be needed for KU to, uh, to excel this week.
1: And I'm going to not let you pick Jason Bean, because that's the obvious one here. Who's a player who has to play well for KU to play well on Saturday?
3: Well, I'll just go with, with one that comes to mind immediately, which is Austin Booker. You know, he, uh, He was dealing with a knee thing at Oklahoma State, but he seems to have come back from that pretty effectively. Both he and Borland were constant about his his health and his status after the bye. And the reason why I think he's so important is because they got to get pressure on Gabriel to throw him off. And then not only that, they got to contain him when he starts to go outside of the pocket. And Booker, with that athleticism on the edge, uh, is someone that you'll be looking for to do just that. Um, You talked to him yesterday about the fact that, you know, the two tackles, For Oklahoma, Walter Rouse and Tyler Guyton uh, have kind of different styles. One of them is more finesse. One of them is more power. So this will be interesting to see how he does when he's on one side versus the other. Um, Yeah, just a a player who hasn't quite made it to the game record level just yet, but he's had some serious game-changing performances for KU as an edge rusher so far. and He's going to need to have another one of those this week.
1: Who would you pick if you had to pick somebody on the offensive side of the ball?
3: Let's see, someone on the offensive side of the ball who I think really needs to do well this week. I mean, I going to say Luke Grimm. I feel like the Jason Bean and Luke Grimm connection hasn't quite been there so much so far. We've seen what he can do when Jalen Daniels is in, and they have really good rapport. And I'm not saying Bean doesn't have that rapport with Grimm. I believe Grimm had a touchdown in the game being started against Missouri State. But um, I think he's someone who might be able to take advantage of, of some vulnerabilities and coverage for Oklahoma Obviously, they do really well on the outside. Maybe over the middle, there could be more open space. Um, But yeah, Oklahoma's a team that's really full of ball hawks and intercepts a lot of passes. They've got, I believe, the second-best turnover margin in the country right now. Um, So being, having a safety valve like Graham will be really important at this game.
1: How do you think a win in this game for KU versus a loss on Saturday, how, how do you think that would change the way that, overall people would view this team or how you would view this team or or whatever for the rest of the season and kind of the thoughts on what they'd be expected to do like how how does the result on Saturday affect the way that the final four games should or would be viewed
3: well I'll start by saying in the most in in the most basic numerical sense if you win you're bowl eligible and while I understand the KU team has greater goals beyond bowl eligibility I think it's fair to say that Once you achieve bowl eligibility when you're a program that has historically been as moribund as Kansas, from then on you're sort of playing with house money, especially when the Big 12 championship isn't really, like, within striking distance. So that's one thing. Then the other thing, I mean, it would automatically become one of the the greatest wins in in recent program history, just by any metric. So, I mean, that's something that gives the team a lot more confidence. You feel a lot better about going on the road to Ames. Um, and you feel a lot better about playing K-State at home, especially when you've had that home field advantage established. So that's one thing. And then if they lose, I'm not going to say that it doesn't matter because I think this loss would have a greater negative impact than the loss against, say, Texas did, which was another high ranking team. The reason why I think about, the reason why I think that, it, well, there are a few reasons. First of all, it's at home, it's homecoming, it's a kickoff, it's a sellout. You have everything going in your favor in that respect. Second of all, we're in the second half of the season. They just lost the game. If you lose two in a row and you've got to go on the road, now we're getting into a territory where people can say, here they go again. You know, Last year they started out strong, and now they're sliding in the second half. In fact, I think people have already started to say that even ahead of this game. So I think the narrative that could form after this loss uh, could become kind of ugly for Kaye.
1: And uh, I know when in the latest Big 12 power rankings that, that you guys have on your website at kusports.com, that, that, that's with all the beat writers we've talked about a lot on the show. They're number five right now in those. Have you thought about it all if they do lose to Oklahoma? Like, do, do you think that still holds up, or do you think that would, to, to basically what you're just talking about there, that kind of thought process would kind of fade a bit uh, among some of the other voters around the conference?
3: Yeah, I, I, I do think people will probably lower their opinion somewhat. But on the other hand, it's really hard to say who the number five team is if not Kansas, with, with how poor we a lot of. I mean, yeah, they'd probably slip below Iowa State, which I think can can probably pick up another win. Maybe I don't know. So, uh, but yeah, that that whole stretch of the power ranking has been very arbitrary recently, as evidenced by the fact that KU moved up three spots while on a bye week. So, uh, but. Yeah, I, I, I do think that their standing could be diminished somewhat in the minds of the other voters if they start to slip like they did last year at this time.
1: Talking with Henry Greenstein, Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. Uh, switching over to some KU basketball talk. They're having their first exhibition game of the year. It's at Illinois on Sunday. What, uh, I guess, was your your biggest takeaway from from the last week or two of getting to talk to the players, to the coaches between Big 12 and, and KU Men's Basketball Media Day? What has been maybe your biggest takeaway or, or biggest, I don't know, thing that you feel like you've learned headed into the season?
3: I mean, there's so many things to talk about, especially after yesterday, where I feel like a bunch of people came away with a bunch of different impressions. I'm really interested to see what this team looks like defensively after yesterday, Uh, You know, we know they have two of the best defensive players in the country, obviously, but it was interesting to hear uh, Bill Self talk about how Hunter Digginton might be vulnerable if he's against a K.J. Adams type of player. Now, I mean, K.J. Adams is is singular in many ways, but so interesting to think about that and how, like, you know, like a high pick-and-pop or whatever it was that Self talked about yesterday could put him in a compromising position. So not just that specific thing, but also they're relying a lot on freshmen – who are highly athletic, but maybe not as refined from a defensive standpoint. And I'm thinking about people like Marco Jackson, Johnny Murphy, obviously. And Jamari McDowell, to some extent, though, felt that he's the, probably the most ready to play a collegiate game. But um, we're relying on freshmen, and it, it's a lot of potential, uh, and it remains to be seen how they'll do in an actual game. And we haven't really seen KU play a refined sort of defense yet, because when they went to Puerto Rico, they hadn't really practiced that at all. I thought Bill Self's logic for that was interesting, saying, you know, we work on offense early in the summer because it's easier to learn how to guard someone than it is how to, to score, and we work on offense early in the summer so our offense can get confidence before we learn how to guard. I thought that was interesting. Um, so that's one thing I'll be looking at. Um, I think the depth is even more problematic than I thought just because of the Johnny Furphy chin splint. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people know that he also dealt with that last year, his his final year in Australia. So, this is not the first time he's encountered shin splints. And, you know, it's a normal thing when you're adjusting to a newly intensified training regimen. But as self said yesterday, like this is not a good time for him to be missing reps, especially as someone who came to Lawrence at the end of August.
2: Yeah. On the the point of Johnny Furphy, I was just curious about the injury he's dealing with. I mean, do you think that's going to really significantly limit maybe his impact especially early in the season to where there was a lot of hype about him coming in but maybe we won't get to see much of him until or much of what his potential might be until later on in the season
3: yeah it's just kind of hard for me to imagine someone who hasn't played college basketball and has been coming off of injury like playing quality minutes against kentucky or whatever that's just the way that i see it in my mind but I definitely think, and I, and I feel the same way about Marco Jackson, by the way, even though he doesn't have an injury, I definitely think we'll see the freshmen pick up steam as the schedule goes on and earn larger and larger shares of minutes, possibly at the expense of someone like Nick Timberlake um, for all the skills that he has. Um, but, yeah, I mean, certainly Furby brings a lot to the table, and, and if you're KU, you want to get him acclimated into your system as quickly as possible.
1: So when you're thinking about, I guess, things or or players or, or whatever it is that you're most going to have a keen eye on on Sunday's game against Illinois what what pops out in your mind for the first exhibition game
3: yeah I, I'll be looking at Omarco Jackson this is his first collegiate experience it'll give him a chance to stake his claim for that last starting spot uh talked to him a lot yesterday probably more than most players it's just really interesting to hear this is a, a guy who played lacrosse for like the first 15 years of his life and if you go on his huddle page online, it still lists him as a JV lacrosse player, uh, despite all the basketball accolades he got in the years since. Um, but, but uh, you know, he became McDonald's All-American, um, and he comes from an athletic family. He had an uncle who was on the, the Colts Super Bowl winning team, Marlon Jackson, who he said has taught him a lot about. You know, like what it means to be an athlete, and how important it is to be to be kind to everyone, despite that status that, in some ways, could elevate you among the regular populace and all that. And uh, I think he's got the demeanor to succeed at this level. I think he's got the skills; just a matter of how quickly he can put it together. And this will provide the first opportunity for that. Uh, so I'm interested to see him. Jamari McDowell, same kind of thing. Although I think you guys talked about this yesterday that the hype on Jamari uh, has been toned down a little bit since Big Twelve Media Day, but you know still interested to see him and then uh with Timberlake just whether he can make threes in a high level game like this even though it is an exhibition and and just how consistent he can be in that domain because he's also got a strong case for that last starting spot is
1: there one player who playing well on Sunday would maybe benefit Kansas the most uh in terms of a long-term takeaway
3: That's a good question. I guess I'll say K.J. Adams because by all accounts, he's adapting very well to this four role, but we still have yet to to see it uh, in extended time in person since August. So I think that'll be valuable. Um, The interplay between him and Hunter Dickinson was super exciting in Puerto Rico, and I want to see if that can extend to a more normal game environment as well. Uh, because that will help raise KU's ceiling considerably if they can find a way to have both him and Digginson be effective on the court together at the same time, which is what everyone's been saying since May.
1: And uh, Henry, what do you guys got going on right now? KUSports.com, what can people uh, check out online?
3: Yeah, just uh, keep an eye on all our upcoming preview coverage. It's going to get very busy with crossover season, but we're also finding time to uh, to cover women's basketball and to cover volleyball as well. We'll have a freelancer at the volleyball game tonight. They are on a hot streak. I would urge everyone to check out what, what she writes about as well. So, yeah, just trying to cast a wide net and cover a lot of different things, and I hope people receive it well.
1: All right, that's Henry Greenstein, Lawrence Journal World, and sports.com Henry, appreciate the time as always, man. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk, about a quarter till four on KLWN. Henry Greenstein there of the Lawrence Journal World and KUSports.com. We are going to take a timeout here. We're going to pick a winner for our KU Oklahoma tickets, which I guess you have one final shot if you're interested in those. I I have something up on on Twitter page, at D Johnson Radio. Just retweet it. We're going to pick a random winner and uh, get some KU football audio as well coming up on the other side. Voice of the Jayhawks' Brian Haney joins us after that on KLWN. Depend on it four o'clock hour you're listening to rock shock sports talk on klwn with nick springer i'm derek johnson going out to high school sports weekly later tonight at mama's tamale shop six to seven o'clock best authentic mexican food in lawrence over on ninth street so that'll be after the show tonight we're joined by the voice of the jayhawks brian haney in studio now uh you can hear him on the call on saturday kansas oklahoma 11 o'clock on the jayhawk radio network Crimson and Blue show coverage starts at 9.30, and uh, part of that will be here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. I uh, I was yesterday at Big 12 Media Day. I was walking back to the car, and I was talking with your cohort, David Lawrence, and we were talking, you know, some of the other great wins in KU football history and how this one, if they could get it, would certainly go up there. And obviously, you think of like some of the the bowl games or the postseason stuff. You obviously think of some of the rivalry games Mm -hmm. with Missouri and K State, just because of you know what what it means whenever you beat your your rival, basically. But just in terms of like regular season impactful games, top ten games, stuff like that, you gotta go back a ways before you find one that would be as cherished as a win. I think on Saturday would be. I went back to 95 at Colorado. I mean, if you're looking at home games, David brought up, I think it was 1984, right. against Oklahoma as well. Yeah, um, have, have you thought about it all? Like, How much of an impactful win would this be for the KU program? Yeah, it's gigantic. Mm-hmm. It's
0: enormous. And uh, when you put the regular season qualifier on it, it takes out a top five Virginia Tech team in the uh, 2007 right. Orange Bowl that was played January 3rd, 2008. But uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of regular season home games, you really might have to go back to the 80s uh, to find one of this magnitude. And yet, when have you ever seen an undefeated team ranked sixth in the country that you felt was as beatable as this one looks to be? In Oklahoma, and that's not to sell them short mm-hmm. by any means. It has as much to do with KU's progress in terms of how much they've closed the gap on OU. And we've seen that in recent seasons, playing within 10 a year ago down there in Norman, two years ago up here. I think it's a 12-point final margin, but that was the day. Yeah, that it's, one was even closer. It's neck and neck going into the fourth quarter, and they they come into our booth and say, "We want you to say over the airwaves." We're opening the gates. If you're within driving distance, come in for free. We've got a chance to take down Oklahoma. And so for this awful streak of 18 straight losses to these guys, many of which were five, six, seven touchdown margins in the end, the gap has narrowed dramatically. Now you feel like they're very much in your wheelhouse, and yet they still have that nice... Glitzy, glamorous, glossy 7 0 record with the number six ranking. But to me, they don't seem otherworldly like for many years in this series, it did feel that way. Yeah.
1: And I, I don't know how much of that is them or how much of that is Kansas, you know? Because, like, as much as I, even though Oklahoma is undefeated, it still almost feels like, from a national perspective, there is some people waiting for the other shoe to drop. They're like, oh, they'll drop a couple games. There just hasn't been that level of dominance, maybe as you know. You look at some of the games, like the Cincinnati game wasn't that far off. I, I think twenty to seven or something like that. Like some so, of their, their the UCF game recently, to where it doesn't feel like they're they're on that same par, maybe with you know your Georgias and Michigans where they're just beating teams by fifty every week. Although Georgia hasn't done that as much this year, um, but it's also because of Kansas because of where they're at. And I I almost if they lose this game, I, I think the worst part about it when when I'm evaluating things is going to be that. They'd be five and three, which would be their same exact record they had last year through eight games, and that just feels uncomfortable to me because I feel like this team is better than they were last year. Not okay. to knock last year's team, but I, sure. just, I I think this team is much better. and And I guess you know schedules can be different, and that can lead to different outputs and different records and everything. But like, if you told me last year's team is playing this year's team, I would take this team by I don't know seven to ten points.
0: Yeah, no, I I completely agree, and I think that's shown up in some. Defensive measurables in terms of yards and points allowed per game where nationally we're 30 or 40 places higher than we were a year ago. Obviously, offensively we haven't been completely whole in a while, but I, I think that they're still very formidable in that regard to where they really haven't leveled off or, or fallen off, I should say, from what you had last season. So this team should be better. And you know, prior to two weeks ago in Stillwater when you had issues in the kicking game with the extra points, you would say that special teams was significantly better. Both in terms of field goal consistency, punt and kick returns, all of that had been significantly better. So so, yes, you'd like to see the, the wins pile up in a higher tally, and I think they will. I mean, let's call it like it is. Uh, not even knowing what's going to happen at quarterback one week to the next, Kansas should be favored after this week in at least half of their remaining games. Maybe the road trip to Ames or K-State coming in here is, is a push or a pick mm-hmm. but otherwise you really like your chances, and all of those games are very winnable. So, to your point, The wins should pile up much higher than they did. Uh, It just hasn't maybe come quite as soon as we thought it would when attacking this year we thought we had the preseason Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year at quarterback and you could get out to the super fast start. They still got off to a very fast start, but they've let one or two slip through their grasp And so we'll see if they can get that one back on Saturday. But even if they don't, this is still a team that I think wins eight games, which is what we were calling for all along because you have seen market improvement in those other categories. Mm -hmm, For sure. And, And hey, This league is so wide open. I mean, you got nine teams that have a chance at being in the top two that go to Arlington still, and we're about to flip the calendar to the month of November. This league is ripe for the picking, and I'd love to see Kansas be that team that jumps up and grabs it.
1: Yeah. So when you look at this game with OU, what are the things that you think they have to do well in executing their game plan if they are going to come out on top?
0: Well... Has anybody seen the latest weather forecast? I've heard conflicting reports. Seems like it just keeps
1: yeah, getting colder I mean, and colder. Rain, I guess, yeah.
2: at some point
0: early afternoon. But, but if you're showing up for the big noon kickoff, mm-hmm. it's going to be 78 and sunny and beautiful. <laughs> so make sure you're all out there bright and early with smiles on your faces because we really need it yes. to look good on TV. Yes. That might not be entirely true. <laughs> it might It might be a little, you know, damp. To,
1: but I, but I, I love sweater season. I, I yeah, love yeah. wearing a good yeah, sweater. Yeah, I to bust so, out the you know. long sleeves. So. It's but, not going to be like freezing cold. No, 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 yeah. no, no.
0: And, and honestly, with everything that KU has worked so hard to put on for the fans over a 24-hour window, starting with the Rock Chalk block party, 5.30, Friday night, downtown Mass Street. You got Michael Ray. I know Nick's a big country music fan. He's going to be performing. Yeah. The big noon kickoff guys are going to be up on stage. Little birdie told me Chris Harris might be there as well. So so think about that. If you're walking around Mass Street with eight or 10,000 of your best friends, you'll have a chance to meet Mark Ingram, Matt Liner, Brady Quinn, I don't know if Urban Meyer's jamming out to the country music or not. He he may be down there too. Big J, Baby J, what more do you need? That's Friday night. Then Saturday morning, 7 a.m., that's when fans can start coming out and filing into the Fox fan pit. That's what they're calling it. I don't know how inviting that sounds, but it's going to be fun because there's going to be prizes and personalities and celebrities. And then... In keeping with the music theme,
2: the Fox mosh pit. Yes. Fox band mosh pit. Exactly. Go country music and then mosh pit on. Look out out.
0: Two different genres colliding. It's going to be a ton of fun. But you got all that stuff going on. Face painting, balloons for the kids, all that. So I really hope folks come out. Even if it's a little bit damp it's a little bit chillier, this is our chance, one of five schools in the country, to host both ESPN Game Day and the Fox Big New Kickoff Show in back-to-back years. And the other schools are the who's who of college football. So let's prove that we're one of these and, and really have a great representation. Having said that, you asked about game plan, and I went on like pitch man mode. No, I, I, but,
1: I wanted to, but <laughs> I was going to get there eventually. So. I, I asked
0: about the weather because yeah. it has a lot to do with... Okay, you know, can can Oklahoma be as up tempo as they want to be? Uh, Can Dylan Gabriel have the game he wants to have? What does that look like if it's a slick track with a wet ball? I don't know. And and maybe the the skies parts and, and we've got good weather for a decent window in there. And it's not as much a factor. But does it narrowly lean in KU's favor if both teams passing games are a little bit affected by weather? It could. I mean, on paper, you'd think it might. But then again, running lanes were tough to come by, certainly in Stillwater, and you would expect them to be tough to come by against this Oklahoma defense, which is just leaps and bounds better than what it was a year ago. I think we've all seen it this week. They've shaved 14 points off their their scoring defensive averages. They're giving up 100 fewer yards. They're number two in the country in turnover margin. So therein lies your number one key. Limit the self-inflicted wounds that we saw in the second half in Stillwater. This is an opportunistic Oklahoma defense that will absolutely take it if you give it to them. So be careful, especially if it's a slick ball, in not putting the ball on the carpet, giving them a short field, giving them extra possessions. They're good enough. They don't need any extra help, okay? So try to stay away from those mistakes because before Kansas started doing that at OSU, they were in position to win that game. And we'd be talking about bowl eligibility already. We'd be talking about driver's seat to be opposite of of OU in the Big 12 title game. We'd be talking about Kansas Oklahoma for a preview of Arlington this week, had that not happened. Here's the good news. You can get right back in that conversation if you handle your business Mm -hmm. on Saturday. So I think those are some of the big things. And then obviously, you know, you want to see Jason Bean get off to a quick start. I think he's a guy that, when he's in rhythm, you know, can absolutely carve up a defense. If he makes a mistake here or there, don't let one become two and kind of compound the problem. But I I think he's in a really good headspace. You know, think about it, guys. He started five of our eight games after Saturday, and, and he's been the guy for the last three-plus weeks in practice. So you're seeing that rapport and chemistry get better and better with all the guys around him. It was neat to see Quentin Skinner uh, be targeted again and, and back in the pass-catching column last week after two straight games without a reception. He's a great vertical threat. And let's not forget... This time a year ago versus OU, about 250 yards, four passing touchdowns. Jason Beam was pretty good down there in Norman. I think he can be again, even though this is a much better OU defense.
2: Yeah, you mentioned the idea of Jason being getting off to a fast start, and I almost wonder if you're Kansas, if this isn't a game where maybe you want the ball first to start the game, to have the offense at the tone. I mean, what, what do you think of that? I mean, trying to set the tone using your physicality up front in the running game. I mean, w- would you maybe consider that if you're Kansas? Just take the ball first and say, hey, we're going to set the tone offensively to
0: start the game. It would go against, obviously, what Lance Leipold normally likes to do, having the ball to start the second half. But yeah. I kind of like where your head's at on that, especially if it's the raucous crowd and it's been a great morning like we're expecting it to be because, again, 78 and sunny, right? So you're going to be there. And uh, and yeah, I mean, you, you come out and you pop them in the mouth early. The wheat's waving. We're rock chalking. The, the place is bumping. I mean, that, that would be a great way to start the game i don't know that he'll do that necessarily he kind of likes to have that possession in his back pocket but then again oklahoma may win the coin toss i know we'll shake their hands this year uh, but but all kinds of stuff to look forward to on saturday no doubt
1: uh now there's also basketball going down on sunday so you have a quick turnaround for the weekend going up to uh illinois uh just the next day and everything What are you most excited to see? Obviously, you know, Hunter Dickinson, Bill Self, probably the most familiar with Illinois among everybody on the team. Uh, What are you excited for in in the first exhibition?
0: There's some cool storylines. You know, Terrence Shannon, Kevin McCuller. Those two know each other very well from Lubbock, Texas, and the Red Raider program. This is a top 25 team that, you know, will give Kansas the type of test you don't get this time of year, especially on the road. When have you ever heard of an exhibition road game with what should be close to a capacity crowd a true major conference top 25 road test. It'll have a feel of a Sweet 16 type matchup with some of the star power they bring back and a great coach in Brad Underwood. And for Bill Self, I mean, he knows how Dewan and Kevin react in buildings like this. He's seen what Hunter Dickinson has done in hostile Big 12 or Big 10 rather road environments. But how does a transfer from Towson react to the bright lights in the big stage and Nick Timberlake? How do the rookies like Jamari and, and Marco react in their first setting like this? The fact that you can get that litmus test without any punishment if you lose the game, any consequence because it's just an exhibition, I think is exactly what Bill Self wants because for so many seasons, these last 15 plus years, the first real test you got was Champions Classic, either Game 1 or Game 2, right out the gates, big-time atmosphere, great opponent. And you really didn't know what you had before that because you had your MIAA opponents mm-hmm. you know, in, in the uh, exhibition season, and that was truly jumping in feet first to the deep end of the pool right out the gate. Well, now, by the time we roll into Chicago here in a couple of weeks for the Champions Classic, you will have had five exhibition games, two of which featured NBA players on them, going back to Puerto Rico and a great top 25 team in Illinois. So I, I think it's, it's going to be everything Bill self wanted it to be. And, in talking with some folks from Champaign earlier today, the expectation is he'll have a very warm reception, as he should. <laughs> it's been 20 and a half years, um, and, and I think they understand he, he needed to come here. Um, you know, Any any bitterness over all that? Hey, they, they, he still left them a roster that went all the way to the title game, and who knows if Charlie Villanueva would have stayed, what they would have done. So hopefully he gets the warm reception he deserves. But I love the joke he said of walking in behind Hunter Dickinson, so if there is booing, he can just assume it's for Hunter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and you know, Bill Self he seems a little uh, maybe tired of the questions about the two guard position. Who's going to start between maybe Marco Jackson or Timberlake at this point? I guess, but I don't know. Do you, do you have a good sense on that, or or one which way he might go, or do you think it matters in the exhibitions who starts where, what spots heading into the season?
0: Yeah, I don't think it matters at all. And you know, if if there's one Bill Self quote that's as predictable as him tossing around the soft word on an annual basis, it's the quote about. You guys, not talking about Nick and Derek, but the media, you guys make way too much out of the starting line if it's about who finishes the game, not who starts <laughs> it. He says that every yeah. year. we kind of
1: said, I don't know that it they, even matters. Both might yeah, play 25 uh, exactly. minutes per They're game. They both right? are playing I mean, 20 minutes exactly.
0: Game. Yeah. Exactly. I, I think that, you know, obviously Johnny's been dealing with the shin splints that Coach talked about yesterday, so not expecting uh, to see much out of him for the next week or so. But uh, the other guy that is going to get some time at some point, mark this name down and you've heard it before, and the story lasts for about 48 hours and it goes away, but he's had himself a whale of a camp, Michael Jankovic. Okay, just mark this name down. I'm not saying he starts ahead of El Marco. I'm not saying he's he's beaten out Nick Timberlake. Nick Springer's over here laughing. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he has had a whale of a preseason. Don't be surprised if they lean on him, at least in these exhibition games, for a more extended run than what you're used to seeing.
1: That doesn't Shock me because it actually has been a little bit of time since we've seen a walk on, like actually get rotation minutes. Clay Young probably Mm -hmm. be the last one that you go to that, that got real rotation minutes. Um, but it happened more than you thought at the beginning of the Bill Self era. You know, you think back like Matt Kleinman or you know, Stephen Vincent. Yeah, Steven Vincent had
0: the passing of the torch moment before Mario Chalmers was ready. Mm-hmm. And, and he was logging some key minutes in, in very important junctures of games before Mario really got ready. And, I mean, and what you know, Connor
1: Tehan was he came in as a walk on, finished his scope.
0: Is that right? Yeah, and he yeah. had four threes versus Mizzou yeah. in one game. So, you know, we've seen it before, but Michael for many years, and you could say Grady was the best shooter last year, but for many years it's been the best shooter on this roster. It's always been a matter of can he keep up on the defensive end of the floor, but he is really embracing a more active and assertive role as a senior, and I'm just saying, I'm not saying he's a breakout player, but I'm just saying there's going to be more opportunity, I think, for him, and he has earned any chance he gets with a whale of a fall camp. And I think there have been some key moments where where he's assumed leadership roles or more assertive roles where you know, another guy from the red team was coming in to take his spot. He said, no, no, I, I got this. I'm staying on the floor. And and just, you know, keeps being in the right yeah. spot, doing the right thing, hitting threes.
1: I mean, if well, the, the team needs three-point shooting, and yeah. if he's one of the best three-point shooters. I mean, Bill Self honestly got us kind of prepared for it last year. If you remember in the offseason last year, right, this up. time of year, oh, you yeah. did yeah. bring him up. He said yeah. – do we consider using Michael Jankovic as one of our rotation players if he's one of our best shooters? And
2: I, I don't know that he ever fully considered it, but who knows? Might well, it makes sense. Me. If you're going to be operating with, you know, eight or nine guys, and I guess, and Furby's still yeah. hurt, that would yeah. leave an opportunity there to get, you know, Get Jakovich out other as
0: well. Mm. I'm telling you, he's he's had a good right. camp.
1: Well, that'll leave us a lot to talk about. so Thank you for that, uh, Brian. Before we let you go, a word
0: from Nate Miller. If we were doing rock, chalk, pick a hawk, he'd be like a middle round that's pick right. for me now, as opposed to <laughs> you know last minute of well, the round. That's good to know. The throwaway yeah. pick. Yeah, never a throwaway. No, Jayhawk Hawk is ever a throwaway. But I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, yes. A word from Nate Miller. I've got my financial game plan set. Thanks to this guy. He'll do the same for you. Check him out at MillerRetirementGroup.com. Whether you're just getting your portfolio put together in the top of the first inning or you're a longtime investor, he wants to sit down and offer you the path to the most uh, you know, formidable and uh, profitable financial future. So check him out today, MillerRetirementGroup.com. Always a pleasure, guys.
1: All right, Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. Cue the disclaimer. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. Austin Booker Audio next. KU Mailbag after that. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. We were going to do KU Mailbag. Um, It's Nick's favorite segment, but I changed my mind. We're just going to do something else.
2: What? Yeah. Why? Psych! Oh, okay. Thank God. Jeez.
1: Scared me. That would have been a cool moment for you. Man. Uh, going I mean, you, out to see mean, Nick
2: was, at uh, really High School Sports Weekly tonight,
1: 6 to 7 o'clock over at Mama's Tamale Shop. It is time, though, for our KU mailbag. Oh, thank God. Thank you to everybody who submitted questions for us. Yeah, and dude. if you want to get questions in for next week, at RCST1320 on Twitter. If you don't have a Twitter, don't worry. RCST1320am
2: at yeah. gmail.com. Dude, shout out to the listeners for providing uh, my favorite segment. It's a ton of fun. Uh, even though some people ask questions I don't like, it's still fun. And uh, please, continue to submit And I will questions.
1: say, I have the most fun when you ask questions that make Nick squirm and that he doesn't like, so <laughs> there we go. Our first one from Ted. Jamar Chase or Keon Coleman, which decommit would you have preferred came to Kansas?
2: Mm, uh, I Okay, my initial gut reaction was obviously Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, but, better play. Keon Coleman's really good, but yeah. But I started thinking about it. You would have had Jamar Chase when KU football was bad. Yep. You would have Keon Coleman right now now when KU football is good. So I actually started to think about this a little bit deeper. The answer, I think, is Keon Coleman based on timing. Because you'd probably rather have him be on KU football right now when they are actually not terrible. Because Jamar Chase on KU KU football when he would have played for KU... KU would have been not very good, and he probably would have it probably would have been like a Puka Williams situation where like he was a really good player, but it didn't matter because everybody else sucked. That is one thing, though. You would have had him with Puka Williams. That would have been fun.
1: Yeah. So here's sure. so Jamar Chase came in as a freshman at LSU 2018. He uh so caught it would have been fun to see 2019 Carter yeah. Stanley throw the ball to Jamar. Yeah, that's Chase. right. That would have been cool. Well, 2018, too. 2018, that Kansas team was three and nine, but they lost the game to Nichols State. When Puka Williams yeah. didn't play, maybe if it had Jamar Chase you win the game, I don't know, could be. Uh, now Jamar Chase his freshman year again. He had twenty three catches, three thirteen, and three touchdowns. If he was on Kansas as opposed to LSU, probably a little deeper, probably would have had bigger stats or, or like more playing time, I guess. Yeah. So maybe you win that one. Um, let's see. You lost twenty six seven to Baylor, and uh... <laughs> um, you lost to Kansas State by four. That was the game Peyton better drop ball. Did you win that game with Jamar yeah. Chase, even though it's just a freshman Jamar Chase. Maybe. Yeah. Oklahoma, the Puka Williams game. Maybe you have a better chance. Do you beat Texas on uh, Thanksgiving, or I guess Black Friday, I think it was a Friday game, uh, by seven when you lost to number 11, Texas, by seven? You can work yourself up know, that they maybe. win four to six games. But it's not going to a know. big impact in 2018. But sophomore year, Jamar Chase. Yes. With sophomore year, Jamar senior Chase. Senior starter, Carter Stanley, baby. These are. Let me remind you, these are <gasps> Jamar Chase's stats his sophomore year. Okay. 84 catches, 1,780 yards. 21 yards per catch with 20 touchdowns. Damn. and so now, if you the, add to be him. Fair, that was in what? 15 games. There's in 14, 14 games? for him. Okay. 14. 14 games. I think they played 15, but yeah, he must have missed one. Okay. Um, he would have been. I mean, that was a pretty good receiving core for <laughs> Kansas. As was like Dalen Charlotte should have always been getting more playing time. Um, to begin with. Oh, you mean in, it's in safety? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Safety. Um. You had him. You had uh, Andrew Parchment, who was a good receiver for you, coming from the JUCO ranks. You had Stephon Robinson. You had Jamar Chase to that that year. Jamar Chase was the best receiver in the country. Yep. With okay. Star so Stanley. You beat instead of losing to Coastal Carolina twelve to seven. I think Jamar Chase is enough to change that. <laughs> okay. So now you're two and zero. You still smash Boston College three and zero. You lost by five at home to West Virginia. A game you like out yarded him by a good amount.
2: Was that the game? Was that Khalil Herbert's three hundred yard rushing game? No, was that it? was like
1: a year or two before. Okay. Uh, but this one you you almost actually did beat West Virginia. There was like a crazy lateral play that you got like knocked out at the five-yard line. Nonetheless, I think you win that one too, with Jamar Chase. You're 4-0. Lost 51 to 14 to TCU. That probably doesn't go up. But counterpoint, here's the other thing. If you remember going into the TCU game, that was the game Khalil Herbert just up and left. Going yeah. into the game yeah, If you're yeah. 4-0 and going into that game With Jamar Chase
2: Khalil Herbert's probably, still probably Sticking team. around
1: So keep yeah. that in mind too You're not at this point Just having Jamar Chase You're, you're have also Heisman probably been Getting Khalil Herbert Khalil Herber. Yeah uh, You lost by 25 to OU That probably doesn't change You lose by 2 at Texas That changes with Jamar Chase And Khalil Herbert Right? Yeah At this point Okay yeah. so now you're 5-2 and two <laughs> Instead of 2-5 and five. You still okay. beat Texas Tech But you probably don't need The blocked weird field goal You just beat him out yeah. right Yeah uh, You lost by 28 to K-State That didn't go well Lost by 18 to Oklahoma State. Lost by 10 at Iowa State, but that was a game you were down three with like four or five minutes left. Yeah, maybe. I'm gonna say they win. Uh, that's six <laughs> wins, and then you lost by Baylor 61 to six. So <laughs> the difference is you're maybe making a bowl game in 2019, but that's not enough, Gosh, right, man? I,
2: I I don't know. I mean, I think you have to. I, when Coleman. you started to go through it, uh, I now I went back to my gut feeling of Jamar Chase. But again, I think the fact that you add Keon Coleman
1: to KU right now. Because that's the thing. You add Jamar Chase to that team in 2019, they win six or seven games. You add Keon Coleman to this year's team, they win eight, nine,
2: ten? I don't know. Maybe put the break. Uh, Let's see what happens this week. It's not like the receiving core for KU has been that effective so far this season.
1: Yeah, so I mean, Keon Coleman's really good. Uh, He's going to be a first-round draft pick. Here's the reason I, I take Keon Coleman, though, above that. Okay, Let's not forget, Keon Coleman, when he committed to KU for the brief moment in time, it was under the guise that he was going to play football and basketball. Mm. KU basketball needs a little more depth. KU that would basketball be could use another guard. That that would be wild. It's Keon Coleman. That'd be wild.
2: It is Keon Coleman for the answer there, dude. I feel playing football it. at KU and basketball at KU yeah. that would be insane.
1: This one from Evan: Would Nick rather be able to have canes again, raising canes, or have never be,
2: so never be able to have canes?
1: Again. Yeah, never be able to have raising canes again, or have a perpetual
2: slight itch behind his left ear for ten years? <laughs> okay. My initial reaction was, dude, I can easily handle a left itch for 10 years. Easily. You know how no annoying that beef? You would just always be itching it. <laughs> well, no, because it's it's a slight itch. So I would I would probably be able to train myself to not itch it anymore. But it's always I, itchy. But I think I could probably I think avoid in this itching.
1: hypothetical, you're conscious of it being itchy the whole time. But, I, again, a, I could train myself. You're in itch you know, jail. If I wear you're headphones, if I
2: wear different stuff, That's then I don't have make to it worry worse. about it. Because then you're going to be like, oh, there's this fuzzy thing on my ear. Mm, uh, yeah. I don't know. I think that I am mentally strong enough to wow. deal with the itch for 10 years. I, now, I, I, if it, it was like <laughs> itch for the rest of my life, I think <laughs> maybe I would have to long time. I'd have to consider it.
1: But If I were interested on this years. question, I would give up the canes. That would not be worth it to me.
2: I think the argument for giving up the canes is that, it's you also know, good f- chicken better strip, for you maybe chicken strip, uh, fast food restaurants are a dime a dozen. That too. You know, so like maybe, you know, if I give up canes, I can survive by going to, you know, Slim Chickens or Zaxby's or whatever, you know. <laughs> but it would be tough. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Like I said, I think I'm mentally strong enough. I can just okay. persevere. Okay. And not have to do, and battle through the left the left ear itch.
1: This one from Victor, this is going to be your least favorite question. I just know it. <laughs> Would you trade Kansas losing their first two exhibition games in basketball? One by 30 to Illinois, so they lose by 30 on Sunday, and the other by 10 to Fort Hayes State. See, you think
2: you've got me. Victor thinks he's got me. But actually, this For is the a easiest. a
1: football win over Oklahoma. This
2: is the easiest question of any of this type I've okay. ever had. Obviously, you take the win over Oklahoma. Okay. You, exhibition games. Who the I, hell cares how badly... Well, I see what you're I, You would lose by 200, Illinois. Lose by 50 to no, 48, I mean, state. Here's I do problem. not care. Here's your problem. Take the win over Oklahoma. All day long. I, easy. I, I 100% agree. This is the easiest agree. one of all time. I would take Oklahoma, and it's... I mean, this is so easy. This
1: is blood bank. It's true that, yes, it's an exhibition game. Why would you ever take it? Here's, here's the thing that you're not considering in this, though. Is that KU fans would burn down Allen Fieldhouse? Well, not just that. If you lose by 30 to Illinois... And you follow that up by losing ten by ten points to Fort Hayes State, a D two school. Oh, no, I get it. I understand the ramifications. That is probably an indication that you are a bad basketball team. Well, maybe
2: or maybe uh you know, I guess the the bad thing would be like Maybe that's under the. Maybe that would mean that like Hunter Dickinson tore his ACL against Illinois or something. And so now it's just you know. Okay, so this is what I'm saying. Terrible like if that. If you lose like that, because
1: it's not just you lose on like a half court shot to Fort Hays State and you lose in a close game to Illinois, that would be one thing. I don't. I still don't. The think fact that you lose like thirty and ten is I think basically you, guaranteeing that you're gonna have more things that no, suck over the course so. of the season. If
2: you give me the caveat that okay. nobody got hurt, I think it's fine. But then that just means that everybody really sucks. No, it just means You'll that you end to four-day
1: state. <laughs> it just means Are you that, serious. You know, you it's going to take some time for the team to gel. Yeah, do, like Bill Self so said, I, I would it, gladly it takes take months. the OU win. It's not a discussion for me. But I agree. 100% I will agree. say, if you're taking the OU win in this discussion, you have to be at liberty to say. Okay, if you lost by those, you're probably losing to Kentucky. You're probably going 0 3 in the Maui Invitational. Like, oh, no, no, you're not going 0 and 3 in Maui. You're not. You lost by 10 to Fort Hays State in this hypothetical. Dude, you think you know weird things happen. You might lose to Shamanod. that You almost lost point. to
2: Utah Valley in the last year. Okay, I, I'm, adding a,
1: I'm adding a caveat to this one. Utah Valley. Thank Southern you for the inspiration, Victor. Would you trade losing to Shamanod in the first game of the Maui Invitational to beat OU in football?
2: So if you lose to if you lose the counts. in the Maui
1: invitation. Well field. no you just go to the losers bracket. You still oh, okay. play three games no matter what.
2: Okay. I would I would take losing Shaman. Yeah.
1: I would too. Yeah. Would to throw. beat Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah, I would
2: take that. Because you still get to play two other games. Right. Against right. top teams. Uh this one from Sam. Over under attendance for big noon kickoff. So, is, uh, I have a question about this. Is he referring to attendance of, like, the pregame show, like the fan thing? Or it's is he a sellout for the stadium, so I, I'd assume
1: that wasn't the spirit of the question. Okay, yeah. Because he did ask this today, after yeah. the sellout was announced. So
2: I, think it's so, I would guess... Specifically for the show. Like, for the fan show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would assume significantly lower than College Game Day. Uh, but I think there probably still will be a decent amount out there. Now, the weather, obviously, being seems like it's going to be colder, probably is going to impact it, too. But... I'm definitely not expecting like a lot of fans.
1: Well, that's where I wanted to start. If we're putting a number on this, what do you think the number of fans that showed up for College Game Day was? Because I agree with you. I think it'll be lower. I don't know. I'm bad at five thousand.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say like
1: maybe seven thousand. You could tell me I'm way too high or way too low. I agree. So bad with I was thinking ten k at
2: first, and then you said five k, and I was like, oh sheesh, maybe let's say five k. Hypothetically, I don't know two thousand. Yeah. I think it's fair. Like, I think there will be some some great. I mean, listen, spaces. big noon, Put it that way. Big noon kickoff is obviously. I hope it's full. Big noon kickoff Looks is obviously cool. not the same level as College Game Day is. Just, you know, it's 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 newer, it hasn't been around as long. I think people still care about it, but I don't know. I'm trying to remember. Was the KUTCU game last year? Was that an
1: 11 a.m. or was that a two? Th- no, was no, The no, game was 2:30. No, it was an 11 a.m. It was
2: 2:30. It was definitely
1: 2:30. I think it was 11 a.m. last How year. How much
2: you want to bet? I I'm not like that confident, but. I'm pretty confident. KUTC I don't know last where to year,
1: find this two thirty.
2: Dude, just go to ESPN; it'll tell you. Okay, so just I'll go look to on their, that. Just go to KUTC. But yeah. I mean, College Game Day on its own
1: has a bit of a bigger brand than Big Noon. I will say, I actually have started to like the Big Noon show arguably more. Yeah,
2: College Game Day's kind of gone down a little bit. It was 11 a.m.
1: last what? year. What? So you—that's you, a good thing that at least it was 11 a.m. Cross wow. compare and be like, well, they showed out for an 11 a.m. that time, but like that time, there were people like camping or getting there at five in the morning. I don't think that's going to happen. That's probably not going to happen. Right? It's also colder, this one. I remember that one being pretty good weather.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, if you think about it, just a quick side note. Mm -hmm. Last year, for home football games for KU, I think you got about as good a weather as you possibly could ask for for the whole season. Mm -hmm. I mean, the weather was really good for basically all the games. it was, It was was cold and windy for Texas. But the fact that you had really great weather, sunny and comfortable temperatures for every other home game the whole season – I don't think you could ask for anything better. Yeah. I'll say I'll say it's like ha- the more I think about it, probably a little more than
1: I'll say 60% of whatever it was in college game day. Okay. I don't year. know. I
2: don't I mean, I don't I'm assuming college does college game day have any way of tracking how many people they have show up? I, I doubt it.
1: Yeah, probably not.
2: So you just kinda have to guesstimate. It'll
1: be a feel thing. Yeah.
2: This one from Jayhawk
1: for life. What's the likelier outcome? KU beats OU or KU loses to OU but wins every game after that.
2: I thought this was the toughest question we got in the numbers. Mm-hmm because I could see it – I don't know. It's tough because, like, I think they have a decent chance of beating OU, but I think the odds, just on pure odds, one game – a one-off game versus four games, I think you have to say KU has a better chance of beating Oklahoma, right? Just because on, – on pure numbers. One game versus four games, mm-hmm. right? No, but, that's, that's how I take it. Like yeah. – um.
1: I guess I'm, I'm trying to view this from a math perspective. I'm trying to find some numbers on this that might back me
2: up. But here, let me just, let me view it this way. Okay, if you, you I have, mean, think about it. If you have a, if you have a 50, if it's, if you're going to say right. the other four games are 50, 50 for K for every game. Yeah. But then you, mul- you multiply that together,
3: you end up with about like, 6% you know, chance to geometry, go geometry,
2: the physics, whatever that, you know, whatever they will insert math there you know it's going to be the percentage of you winning all four of those games is way lower yeah. than winning the so you one Oklahoma cut, you game. would
1: just cut 50 and half four times so go to 25 12 and a half 6 it'd be you have yeah. a 6% chance basically
2: so if you and if you think that KU has a 20% basically a higher well, percentage than 6 I'll say of beating Oklahoma then it's Oklahoma A couple sites
1: that I've looked at uh this one's much lower than the other one this is ESPN analytics i don't know if this is FPI or what it has a 12.6% for KU to for beat KU to beat Oklahoma, to beat Oklahoma. Which is not a high number, that's but that's double, double of what, right? even if you say K is a 50-50 chance. I also saw another number. We had Parker Fleming on the show uh, like two weeks ago on Friday. You were out, but Parker Fleming is the stats award guy. He does the college football graphs, the success rate, all that sort of stuff, right? Um, he does a really good job with that stuff. His numbers actually had Kansas at like a 30% chance, 33% chance to win. So yeah. I definitely think it's it's beating OU. Yeah,
2: I think from a pure math perspective, right. it's it's probably beating Oklahoma. Because you got to go on the road for two of those games. Kansas State, obviously, is a, not a game that you're guaranteed. I mean, you haven't beaten them in a long time. Yeah, yeah I think the, you say Oklahoma. Even if you messed with the math and said you
1: thought you had a 60% chance to win all four of the games, it would still be the OU game. Yeah,
2: I agree. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay, this one from Quinn. Remind KU fans not to wear red to the game Saturday. All caps. And OU wears the, red. <laughs> Do not wear red. There's all- your reminder, people. <laughs> Do not We do take statements red. as well as questions. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, it's true. It's, it, you know, the KU mailbag, it's not just a question. If you just need to get something off your chest, you know, that like Derek stinks or, <laughs> you know, anything like that. Or Nick is the greatest. Uh, we accept those also. All right. Uh, but yeah, do not wear red, uh, which, by the way, for the BYU game, I don't think a lot of people still end up wearing blue anyways, even though, you know, BYU wears blue. Yeah. But red is, I don't know. I think because when you think of Ku crimson and blue, but you think but blue is definitely the more primary color, right? Yes, For Ku. Well, that's
1: that is an interesting question.
2: Like it's crimson and blue, but they, well,
1: blue they've done this before when Kansas State came in, where it's like wear red so that it, it contrasts more with the purple. Okay, you know what I mean. Sure. Should you have to dictate for the other fan? It's your home field. Where well, would you want to wear? You can't not let them in the stadium if they bought the no, ticket. No no no, 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 no. I don't mean like. I, I mean like. From your home fan base, why should you change what you're wearing to counter the opponent? Oh. It's your home field.
2: Make them counter you. Yeah, I mean, well, I think... Make Oklahoma wear white. They wouldn't counter. They would just show up in whatever they want, I guess.
1: (laughs) But yeah, uh, that's probably a good call. I don't know. Uh, This one from Dalton. Always interested when... Or, or on uh, any betting takes. I've tailed Derek on a bunch of stuff and can't remember losing once. Well, that is complimentary because I rem- lose all the time. can't
2: remember losing once. This dude's record is terrible. I put a small you bet in for My OU bet's, my game bet's way better.
1: No team to do three consecutive scores. Outlook on that. So I'll get, I'll get some more popsicles. So, game wait, props. so but thoughts on oh, that? Okay, one. so he First. bet
2: for no team to do three consecutive yes. scores. Does that mean scores of any kind?
1: Yes. So basically, if a team had touchdown, field goal, field goal, or
2: touchdown, touchdown, you touchdown, lose. you lose. I don't know. I mean, Oklahoma. I don't know. Maybe. I, I mean, uh, how many consecutive drives did they score
1: on against KU last year? But I don't know if you had any three consecutives because KU was scoring back the other way.
2: Well, wait, no. Wait. Okay, hang on. That doesn't make sense. So it's three consecutive scores by one team. By one team. Yes. So, oh, okay. So if the other team scores, then you you wait cuts it off. Correct. Ah, okay, I see. So I OU was, scores twice, Kansas I was scores, envisioning, then OU scores again. It, it I was envisioning it. that it's just on OU's three consecutive possessions do they score, regardless of what KD sure. does.
1: Have you ever played the board game Settlers of Catan? I
2: have attempted to, yes, okay. but I didn't you really can, like, understand. build a long road, and yeah. if
1: somebody builds in the middle of your road, it cuts off the streak. That's like this. Okay, if you score in between, it cuts off the streak.
2: Okay. Well, that's not what I thought, but okay. that makes sense. I'm, I follow now. I did not follow previously. But I follow now. That makes sense. So, do you like that bet? <laughs> yes. I think you're confused by the math. I'm not confused. <laughs> well, I was confused, and I probably still am a little bit confused. But I understand. I have a clearer picture now. Okay. I just had to run through the geometry, the physics, the uh, you know trigonometry, the what, the algebra, whatever. I don't know. Okay. Like that. What's that? What what was it? What was that meme of all the. The math equation. Oh, from The Hangover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Zach
1: Galifianakis. Yeah. So last year, I'm looking, it went O U K U O U K U O U O U O U. So they would have gotten it last year. You would have lost last year. I would. I don't. I don't love it. I, I think it's a coin flip one, though. It could make sense. I uh, I don't know that I'm that optimistic on KU's chances on Saturday. We'll get into more of that on, on tomorrow's show. Um, so from that standpoint, I would be worried that OU would have three straight scores.
2: Which KU players do you think will score? He yes asked for uh, any other... Yeah, like a prop bet. Other, yeah. Okay, so... Any players uh, you like? I, I'm looking on... Uh, let's do see. Do they any... have props up right now? Yeah, they have props okay. up right now. I don't now. know how quickly they A lot of times they
1: don't have on uh, don't until know. Friday, so that's yeah. good. Um, so you can get... If you just want a fun bet, I feel like betting on Jared Casey touchdowns is always fun. It's plus 400, but the odds on that are a little lower. So Trevor Wilson's plus 265. It is clear that Jason Mean and Trevor Wilson have had a really good connection. He scored touchdowns the last couple of weeks. I think that's a good bet to have in on it. Um, I think Mason Fairchild is going to have a good game. He's plus 175 to get a touchdown, and Quentin Skinner's plus 170. Those those would be the three that I, I kind of like the most. As far as some of the prop bets uh, for like the individual numbers, so Jason Bean's passing prop is two hundred nine and a half. Mm, I like, but it. you can get two twenty five at plus twenty five. Oh, I like. that. You can get two fifty at plus two fifty. Oh. I would probably be taking the the two twenty five plus passing yards. I'm assuming OU is going to score a lot. Bean's going to have to yeah. be throwing the football. I, don't I know, might even not,
2: sprinkle a bit. Maybe if it's a little bit of a winter wonderland out there, you could. You know, That's the, the thing. Or does
1: KU play ball control? Yeah. But 225, you could still get there even if KU does play ball control.
2: I don't know, man. What was his passing yard total against UCF? Like 80? Yeah, but
1: that was like all the way to the extreme. (laughs) Do you really think they're going to be able to run the ball that well against OU, who is only giving up 3.4 yards per carry? Probably not. Yeah, So that would be the one. I'd I'd be doing Bean on the over there. Maybe one of those touchdown props. I'd be taking the uh, over on Mason Fairchild, 37.5 receiving yards. OU Gave up uh, over 100 yards to Mason Fairchild last year receiving. Fairchild coming off his best uh, receiving game of the year this year. So those would be the ones that I would be circling And those lines. You can find them on DraftKings. Sign up with code KLWN. Let Mr. Bean cook. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. We got some uh, KU basketball, Bill Self Audio, Brandon Schneider, KU Women's Basketball Audio, and then uh, later on tonight, High School Sports Weekly at 6 o'clock over at Mama's Tamale Shop. This is RCST on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, the KLWN app